Welcome to episode 172 of Stageworthy. I'm your host, Phil Rickaby. Stageworthy is a podcast about people in Canadian theatre featuring conversations with actors, directors, playwrights, and more. Hey, if you're paying attention, you may have noticed that somehow between last week and this week, I went from episode 170 to 172, and I'm not uh, padding my numbers. What I actually discovered was that uh, apparently counting is hard, and somewhere along the way, uh, in my counting, I missed an episode because I have, uh, as of last week, last week's episode should actually have been 172, so I got that wrong. Um, So I'm fixing the numbering going forward, so this is 172, and uh, I'll try to keep a better track moving forward. Um, If you want to make fun of me or you want to talk about your math problems, you can drop me a line. You can find Stageworthy on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at StageworthyPod. And you can find the website at StageworthyPodcast.com. If you want to drop me a line, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at PhilRickaby. And my website is PhilRickaby.com. My guest this week is writer and director Kristen DeSilva. In addition to having written uh, many plays, Kristen is also the playwright-in-residence at Theatre Orangeville. So you're... you're Primarily a director, primarily an actor, or the whole whole package is so many of us Primarily a playwright. Yeah, okay. And an actor. And I direct occasionally, Mm -hmm. more as a fun side thing than Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah. So, um, as a, I I mean, I do, you know, as a playwright and actor myself, I'm always, like, curious, like, when did you start writing plays? I started writing plays in university. Well, that's a lie. I wrote a play in university. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It would be misleading to say I started writing them. I I didn't continue after that writing them for like, and then I took 15 years before I wrote the next one. Okay. Well, what, what made you, what made you wait so long to write the next one? It's, it's such a weird, whenever I talk about how I ended up doing playwriting full time, it's such a weird story because it really doesn't make any sense in hindsight mm. now that I have all the info I have. Like, as a kid, I always wrote stories. Mm-hmm. I was just like this frustrated story writer because I could never really get, figure out that for, mm. that forum, like novels. And, but I, I kind of had this like sense of that's what that was like a part of what I my calling, if you will, was to write. <laughs> but I never made the connection between, and then I, and I also loved theater. But I thought I thought of those two <clears> things as <throat> separate. Okay. <laughs> Strangely, um, and uh, I never made the connection between the two until much much later. And then in university, I was. It all sort of happened by happenstance. Mm. It was a one act playwriting competition um, that a professor that I really liked and had worked with a bunch of, was was running, and mm. I. Really, like, on a last-minute whim, decided to enter something into it, which I wrote the night before I entered it. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. The ni- and, and it got shortlisted, so it got produced, mm. which was great. Three three plays got selected to be produced, and they did a festival of them. Wow. So that was the first taste I had of someone taking mm-hmm. my written work and putting it on stage. How was that with the, with the first thing that you wrote? being done in that way was that difficult to watch or did you i don't really remember it was <laughs> <laughs> i i i the only thing i do really remember about it was like 
the high of watching it. Mm. That ex- like that feeling of, whoa, like mm. these people are saying all these words that I put down, but I don't really remember any of the other parts of it, mm. to be fair. I, I really don't. I, I think, and so I guess in that way, maybe it didn't like solidify in my brain as a thing to mm. pursue because it, it was like, I, again, night before, like it really wasn't yeah. like I put a lot of thought into No, no, no. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I didn't come back to it until twenty around 2012, 2013. So what made you start writing it at that point? Like there was a, it's a long sort it's of a, really uh, long time. A, a, a period of, of not writing. I had done. So after university, I, d- I did a bunch of comedy uh, with some people I met at school. And we mm. did that thing, that like um, comedy sketch yeah. scene for a bit. And then life right like career i i worked it i started working full time and yeah. then i had a i had a son i had a son and i was that just absorbed all my time mm. and I, so that was really the reason was like all this stuff was happening for me outside of that so. did you were you working full time before you had a son like before, yeah, yeah i started working full time the second i graduated basically did you and did you go to theater school or did you like no did you i to went your... to york university and i was not i did not major in theater <clears> which <throat> I, which is another like what <laughs> when you look back but at the time, it wasn't pushed by... I didn't go to a, a high school which prioritized arts. Mm. I went to a very sports-oriented I think you went school. to the average theater uh, high school, where in, most of them are right. very sports-oriented. Exactly. I know when I was in, in, in high school, because uh, I always knew what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to do theater. Yeah. Um, and so when I when they were, you know, the guidance counselor sits down and they're like, all right, so we're going to talk about your future. And I said, I want to be an actor. And they went... <laughs> Right. I don't know how to deal with that. Are you sure you don't want to major in English or something? Yeah, exactly. Same. I, yeah. I, I remember doing those. Did you do those tests? Like, <clears throat> oh, yeah. They were like, <clears throat> here are the six jobs you should pursue. Oh, my God. I hated those because they were always like, you should be, you should go into clerical work. And you'd be like, perfect. What? That is my heart's biggest desire. Sure. That's exactly clerical. what I wanted. It's like, and they present you with like, here are the job, the six jobs that are yours. And it's like, you could really like go into like. Stuff that's miserable that way. Oh, you it's, followed it's, that advice? It's truly terrible It advice. was never advice. It was like, what is it that really fires you up? It was always like, let's take a look at these little pedantic things and this, totally. that, and the other thing. But we didn't talk like that back then. No. <laughs> there wasn't a thing about passion. No. It, it really wasn't like, part of the equation. It was like, no. what can you do and what can you make a living doing? Yeah, yeah. Those were the two things that were pushed. And yeah. So like a lot of kids, I guess, that grew up in that time frame, I followed what was what felt practical. Yeah. And really, like looking back, denying and pushing down what I really truly wanted. There were so many people that I knew who, you know, they were pretty good actors in high school. Mm-hmm. They they could have pursued it. Mm-hmm. And they were told by parents or or guidance counselors, there's there's no career in that. Yep. I mean I think, no, I think what they were told, this was the 80s. They were told there's no money in that. There's no money in it. Yeah. And so, and you know, they're, I mean, they're not wrong, but. No, they're not. They're not, they're not wrong. I mean. <laughs> that is true That's advice. why I have a day job. Well, um, that's it. Well, yeah. But that, then, then what we should have been presented with is, here's the reality of it. Yeah. You can follow that passion, but here are the financial things that go with that. I mean, but I mean, I, my guidance counselor had no idea, you know, it's true. and so they, they didn't know. And I was on my own to find what school I wanted to go to or what I wanted to pursue. I mean, I suppose how can they be expected to no. know? Like, how would you know the ins and outs in ev- of every industry that some kid in your uh, the, the high school that you service might no, want to go into? But I think that, I mean, now, 
I think it would be easier for somebody to, oh, I will find that information for you because there's the internet. I mean, there wasn't an internet. There was no internet. There was, I mean, it was, there was an internet. It was, um, it was, uh, 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 oh man, I'm going to date myself so hard. They, we had. You had the internet? No. <laughs> There were people who had access to, they didn't even call them message boards. They were called something else. Oh, gosh. And you would connect your modem and, you know, do the whole, all the yeah, sounds. Yeah. And, and then you would be on a, on a, on a message board. I don't remember what we called them then, but there was like, you had to like know the IP address. Yeah, and things no, like forget that. it. It was like, it was like this thing. <laughs> you couldn't, it wasn't like for information. That didn't come until much no, later. No, there was no way to access that stuff. <clears throat> yeah. So, so that's how, it, and I, like, my parents actually, funny enough, were not saying that. We're not saying mm. don't major in theater. They were saying major in theater. Why would you not major in theater mm. that you, like, from this age, you've want, you've done it, you wanted to do it. Why would you not do that now? And I, I guess it was a combination of what I got, what I was hearing at school, mm. what peers were saying, and my own fear of. Well, sure. Because it's a big investment and my parents were paying for it. It's so. a big investment. And it's also like when, if, if it's something that you really wanted, that's scary. So scary. Like my, my, uh, my, my ex partner was a career coach. And one of the things that, or still is, but one of the things that she deals with is people who don't, like there's the thing that they want, but oh no, I couldn't, I couldn't do that. And it's like mm-hmm. this really primal fear, and it's really more of a, a fear of like, yes, I want it so badly, but what if it doesn't work out? Yeah, it is terrifying. And so then you go into something else. It's true, and I think that is probably what, when it comes down to it, what the heart of that decision mm-hmm. was was, what if I fail at this thing that means the most to yeah. me? So I majored, and, and like, it's such a bizarre choice. I majored in political science. I have no do you, interest. Do you have any idea what it was that, that, that made you decide, well, you know, I'm not going to go into theater. I'm going to go into political science. No freaking idea, Phil. <laughs> I, I don't even remember when I made that decision. Huh. Do you think it was like a whim? I don't think I was a very bright 18-year-old or like very evolved in terms Are of... Are any of us at 18? <laughs> I mean, Really? I mean, here, here they're you're they're sitting you down and they're telling you you're going to make a decision that's going to affect your entire life. It's crazy. You're 18. The years magnitude old. of that choice yeah. at that at that level of development. I because I go back now to York and I direct mm-hmm. for Vanier Culture Productions. I'll get into who they mm-hmm. are later, but and so I work with and now they're younger because they don't have OAC. I was right. Still they're OAC. like they're going in at like 17. Exactly. They're chill. They're children. <sighs> yeah. And we're asking them in this year of. And remember, too, you show up and it's like, I don't know where what your high school was like. Mm-hmm. Mine was very small and I was from a very small town. Mm-hmm. So even like going out to York and being like, and in my head, that was in the city. Um, it's in North York. Yeah. But it felt like this vast, crazy world with this new, all these new experiences and people. Suddenly I'm confronted with thousands mm-hmm. of people every day. <clears throat> I was just numb, I think. Mm-hmm. And like yeah. in this whirlwind of... I just remember the whole first week of school being I can't fu- I can't physically find my class. That was my biggest stress was yeah. I don't there's too many buildings here and I can't find where I'm going. <laughs> and then I think some point in first year you have to decide what you're going to major yeah. in. Yeah. I don't remember how I made that call. I don't. It was weird. So you know I mean when you start I mean I went to I went to a, 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 a like a, a college where it was like you knew what you were studying. I so in, in university, it's like the first um, year is general, and then they say, "Now make a decision." It, it, no, you have to choose. So you either in fine arts, mm-hmm. you can't go from. 
I couldn't have switched without, I think, oh, sure. re- reapplying and auditioning if right. I had, at that point had a moment of clarity and went, you know what, I really actually do want to pursue theater. Right. Um, so I was in the arts program. Right. Within the arts program, then you can choose from those disciplines. And I think they were like psychology. That's literally the arts? I, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. Okay. Sociology. Oh, wow. Oh, the, the um, classic arts. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 not fine arts. Fine no, no. arts is yes. fine arts. That was that was that was theater and dance, mm-hmm. oh, okay. music, art, the arts. Oh, the arts of humanities. The liberal arts, yeah. The liberal arts and humanities. Liberal, yeah, yeah, that's what yeah, they okay. call it. Yeah. So that's what I did. And so mm-hmm. within that, I had to pick then a major, and I picked right. labor studies and, and political science. And how did that serve you when you graduated? I mean, not at all. I didn't ever do anything. <laughs> <laughs> I did nothing with any of that. I, labor studies to a bigger degree. I did actually end up doing a post-grad thing in mm. HR management. And then I went into HR for 10 years. Yeah. And I worked in labor relations. So that somewhat. Yeah. But it was more theoretical and history. And so truly, it wasn't until I went back to community college and got a more practical application that I did anything with it. Well, I mean, to, just to jump even back, because you mentioned that... that, that um, Theater was something you had always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. When did that start? When did it first start? Yeah, when did that start for like, you? Like, as a child. Were you... Now, had you seen a play, or did you, like, somehow... Uh, were you a kid that, like, yeah. suddenly was, like, forcing everybody to make plays with them? Yeah. <clears throat> 100%. Yeah. I was the kid who was doing plays at the dinner table. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> and and wherever I could. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, see, my mom and dad had taken us to a couple of things. I remember... There were some things at the library they presented for yeah. young audiences. I would have been really little, like four years old. And my mom and dad, at that time, mm-hmm. you put girls in dance and yeah. boys in hockey. That's what you did. Yeah. So I was in dance mm-hmm. and I thought it was miserable. I, w- I was in ballet. And I remember my mom getting pulled aside after class saying, like, she's really not very engaged. She's always watching the clock. I mean, I'm like six or seven years old sure. and, and ballet takes a lot of focus which i've never had mm. so but then it came time for the recital and i came alive mm. and my mom was like oh well we're gonna put her back in because look at how amazing oh. she like look at how much stage presence this child she has. misunderstood what that was well she didn't yeah, have a vocabulary i guess for what it what it was or yeah. a, con- a way to connect it back to anything other than well you didn't know how to verbalize no. it either so no yeah and then it, and then we started doing school plays in grade three or four, whenever you start doing that. And then I started. So I just always did all the school plays. Sure. In high school, I did all the school plays. I was in the improv club at lunch or whatever. And then in university, I thought, I told myself, no, that's all. Like, those childish pursuits are behind me now. I'm going to be an, I'm gonna be really serious and studious. Did that come from, like, oh, now I'm now I'm in university. Now I have to... Was Maybe that was that part of the decision that, that kept you away from it when you were making the decision that, no, no, it's a childish thing. I must now grow up and put that behind me. Yeah, I guess it's all part of that. Like, if I can't have this, then I have to tell myself it's something. Yeah. It's not that meaningful and it's really mm. just a not. It's not a realistic thing anyway. So don't. Yeah. Don't grieve it. It's just, you know, get over it. Move mm. on. So I did that for about six weeks. Uh-huh. And then I, t- I actually t- you have to, in arts, you have to take a f- one fine art. Mm hmm. Um, and you have to take one science as part of the breadth requirements sure. they have. So I my I t- chose acting as my fine art because mm-hmm. I thought, well, I'm not going to pick a new brand new thing. I'll do this because yeah. I like it and I can maybe I might be good at it. So yeah, I'll do that. So it was my first class Monday morning, 8 a.m. First year of university. And thank God I took it because I met Fred Turi, who ran Vanya College mm-hmm. Productions, and he 
ended up getting me to join his improv company, mm. which then led to me being uh, part of that for three or four years of university and making connections in comedy that I went on and did comedy with after university. But also mm. they had a main stage series that they did. So I learned <laughs> directing. I learned more about acting and I got mm. to write. Um and if that hadn't happened, I don't know. I don't know what would have happened to that. It might still be a thing I tell myself is, mm. it's okay. It's not worth you know pursuing. I don't know. But had you enjoyed going to university? No. Like <clears throat> the other classes, did no. you? Do you think that 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 it's possible that taking acting is what kept you in university? That you might have dropped out, or were you tenacious enough that you would have gone through? I would have. I would have miserable as you were. Absolutely, have okay. carried through yeah. and and uh, studied. But what ended up happening, and I did graduate, I don't know how, I spent, once I discovered it, once mm. I got into Vanier College Productions and uh, improv, it's all I wanted to do. Mm. And of course, you know, you become friends with all the kids you're doing it with. And so yeah. we had a big social circle and there yeah. were still pubs on campus at that time. Right. So, and I found class at university terribly repetitive. Mm -hmm. There was, I don't know if they still do it this way, but everything I took, there was... The setup was there was a lecture, and then there was a tutorial, and then there was readings. But they all, they repeated. So the readings, you did a reading, you talked about that reading in the lecture, and then you talked about that reading in the tutorial. And I was like, by the time I've done this reading, I don't need to talk about it three more times. Like, I started to really tap out and yeah. find myself frustrated by the structure yeah, of, of course. class. And I didn't, I've never had a great attention span for that kind of thing. I, I voraciously read and absorb, and I... Mm -hmm. I like, I seek information and my friends and I joke, like I'll go down a rabbit hole on a crazy obscure topic that interests me and I'll learn a ton about it, but I'm not that good at sitting in a structured environment and paying attention for hours on end. Mm. So I spend a lot of time in the pub yeah. in university and like got by by the skin of my teeth. Like my grades were not fantastic. But enough to pass. But I did graduate. Yeah. Yeah. I did graduate. Yeah. Well, you obviously, you absorbed enough from the reading that you didn't need the other things. And so you were like... That's what I told myself. <laughs> and I think of they kind of all that's, knew, Because that's right? one of those things that you tell you, you know, you're amazing when you're when you're 18, you know? I don't need to go to this lecture. I don't, lecture. I don't need to listen to this old man tell me about this subject well, I'd rather know. The question is, like, were there things discussed in the lecture that you would have got something out of, or was it one of those professors Probably. that just reiterate? Well, you never know. It might have been, like, one of those professors that just reiterates what was in the reading, and then you get to talk about it some more in the tutorial. I don't know. I could answer that question if I had gone to more classes. Well, there you go, and you have no idea. <laughs> I have so no idea what I you tell yourself that that's how it it's was. True. Yeah. It's true. It's <laughs> true. Um, so you graduated, and you, yeah. and you found yourself a day job. Yeah. And... I suppose you found it because when I first started working day jobs, which I've been doing for about uh, 15, 15 years or so, maybe probably closer to 20 years. Anyway, yeah. um, that there's a period of time where it's hard to be creative or had you given that up? You completely um, given up creativity or? No, I, I started my, the job that I was in the longest, which mm -hmm. was my main job in 2002. Mm -hmm. And that year... I was directing for Vanity College mm -hmm. Production. Okay. So I always kept one foot in. That's good. And then I found community theater. That's good. Which was, a I was able to do theater, you know, weekends, evenings, rehearsals. Yeah. So I was able to stay connected to theater that way. So yeah. I was living in Oak, I am still living in Oakville. I was living in Oakville at that time. And I, uh, at the time there were like three really good, strong groups doing great stuff. Mm -hmm. And I uh, got connected with them and started working on community theater stuff, which kept me which kept me alive. It nice. kept me yeah, yeah. all that time. Because well, I know I went through this period of time with my day job where, you know, I would go I'd do the day, I'd get home, and I'd just be so tired that I just would sit on the couch. Yeah. And 
watch TV. It's really whatever, easy to know? get depressed too. Yeah. Your life feels so cyclical. Like it's just like I get up, I go to work, I come home, I eat, I go to sleep and I do it all again tomorrow. I can remember um, having the thought like, cause you know, I did get depressed, and I, but it was the cycle of like going to work, coming home, sitting down, not doing anything. But I have went through this, like, how do people do this? Mm-hmm. You know, how do real people, I don't know, real people, how do people like do this with their lives? And I just couldn't, I just, and it took effort to, um, to find outlets for the creativity, to be, to shake yourself and be like, no, not going to go home, going to do something else instead. Yeah. And once I did that, I had all this energy. Exactly. You know, but it was hard to, to, to get started at Well, it. it's the inertia. Yeah. It, it's. Mm. If you, any, anytime you've lost touch with that, yeah. getting back into it and starting again is the hardest part of mm-hmm. it. Once you do, it's this ball that keeps rolling and yeah. because it feeds you. And then you, you wake up with more energy and yeah. you're looking forward after work to going to do whatever that thing is mm-hmm. that you're doing. And it gives something to your days yeah. beyond the monotony. Cause it can, you, and if you've worked in an office setting, particularly mm-hmm. with gray cubicle walls and the same mm-hmm. people in and out every day and, and you go through, you know, I was at a company for 15 years, so it really does feel like groundhog day yeah. after a time. Yeah. Um, so thank God for theater on the side. <laughs> thank God. Yeah. Thank God for community theater. Thank God for the people in my life that let me still play with them and, what yeah. they were doing projects um it was a lifesaver mm-hmm. so what what was it that made you give up on the the nine to five and and pursue theater a little more uh, uh intensely in 2015 i self-produced the first full-length play i wrote which mm-hmm. was titled book club mm-hmm. and uh friends of uh, mine and i did that in in hamilton that summer and it was after that, you know, because it took over my life for that period of time and I was still working. Uh, after that, it was really challenging to go back to work, you know, because it was like, I could do this. I could do this day in, day out mm-hmm. and feel quite happy yeah. doing nothing other than this. Mm-hmm. Writing, directing, you know, producing, whatever it was, was just yeah. in that world. And I started to really struggle at work um, because until then, I think... The company had treated me well, and I had had a lot mm-hmm. of opportunity there. I moved around a bunch, and so I'd always kept sort of challenged in the, the work I was doing. And then it came to a point where you reach a point where that challenge starts to dwindle um, at the same time as this other stuff outside of work is happening yeah. and you're, is calling you. I also um, had a couple nibbles from professional theaters and some equity productions of my work lined mm-hmm. up. And... There was a day that I came into the office and they, we had gone, that company had gone through a number of restructurings as, as had many Canadian Mm -hmm. companies. It was in the oil sector. So there were times there was really challenging environment, Mm -hmm. environment, um, and they had to cut people and stuff, which is terrible and very, very stressful. Yeah. And I had just, we had just gone through a, ter- a merger and then another restructuring mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. they announced yet another one. And I went home that night and I, I said that I'm, you know what? I'm actually done. Yeah. Like I can't, I can't actually envision mm. being there anymore. And I don't think this next phase they're headed into includes me. And I don't think my next phase includes them. <laughs> so I went in the next day and gave my notice. Mm. You know? did you have, what did you like? Did you have anything lined up? Or did you? No. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, I had I had my, my uh, show of mine called Five Hundred been picked up by Port Stanley Festival Theater okay. that summer, and I had another play, uh, Sugar Road, that was going to 
premiere at Theatre Orangeville that mm-hmm. fall. Mm-hmm. Actually, Five One had two productions lined up. Uh, Port Stanley followed <clears throat> a month later by Lighthouse Festival Theatre. Okay. So yeah, I had those contracts lined right. up. But I didn't have a job. No. After those were done, I didn't know whether... <laughs> you were like, what, are the, what am I going to do? I didn't know whether I would ever be produced again. Mm. You know, it could have been... Well, that's yeah. it. That was fun. Yeah. No, I mean, I have, I've gone through that... Because, that, you know, I've done a couple of fringe festivals over the years. And then... So you take time off from work. And this summer, I was in St. John in Halifax. And you come back from like a month away of like... Nothing yeah. art and the, the it's theater. Amazing. This, it's amazing. And you come back and you come back to your job and you're like. <laughs> and for me, I, like when I left, I told my boss, listen, there's going to be a period of adjustment. Right. Right. When I come back. Right. Come back. When I come back. Yeah. And I may be kind of miserable. Mm-hmm. And were you? Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah. You know, um, it was really rough, you know. And then I think that's just in a way that's your. Your soul being like, listen, this was the stuff that feeds me. Exactly. Right? You know? Exactly. Um, and and you so you you just quit. You didn't were you were you actually in like was there a chance that you would have been on the chopping block or were you in a in a safe department? No, I was uh, I don't think so. I mean I hope not. I'd like to not think that, because then I would think about the severance money I would have gotten. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which I could have used. Yeah. I don't think so. No. I, I was a good performer and I'd been around a long time and I wasn't, mm. you know, I, I don't think I was on the chopping block. Really. Mm. Um, no, there was none of that. There, yeah. So that would have made the decision a little easier. I oh, think, sure. If I thought, well, well, maybe I'll get, maybe I'll get a package. Yeah. And then there was the people saying, well, you know, you know how to get them to give you a package. You were in HR all those years, like just be a really bad employee for the next six months. But I thought I can't really bring myself to do that. No, so. because that's, I mean, you never That's, know when you're going to need those bridges. No. I don't know how this theater thing is going to shake out in ten years. I mean, no, I may need to go really back terrible to terrible to burn those bridges. Absolutely. Like, I, I don't know. I'm I'm not the kind of person that can like uh, uh, light set fire to everything on my Me way either. out the door. You know. And nor do you like. I just feel like that is just such bad karma to do. Mm-hmm. That. I don't. I I've never really been able to do anything not to the best of my ability. Yeah. 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 Out of pure shame. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I was raised a- with a deep abiding sense of shame about not perform like you have to meet your people's your meet your commitments yeah that's at the end of the day if your core mm-hmm. values say you are somebody who follows through on what you say you're going to do mm-hmm. then you do that and that's what i did and yeah. i gave them five weeks notice because i thought i don't want to leave them short and I, right. i'm not going to any other company so i can do that and give them time to transition yeah and uh and then i left and i i really haven't looked back nice mm-hmm um, have you had, like, just as a selfish conversation, like, have you been able to mostly make money from, from directing, acting, and uh, other stuff? Or have you had some side hustles that have kept you going? Uh, I mean, these I, are things that we don't actually like to talk about in the theater side. No, I get stuff, it. But, you know. I, well, all my work has been theater or writing related okay. since I left. But there have certainly been times when I've thought maybe I need to pick up, like, a job at mm-hmm. somewhere. Um, yeah. I've been lucky in that I... I've been able to do enough acting work. So I, um, as soon as I was full-time available, I mm-hmm. connected with an agent and I started going out on yeah. stuff. So I do commercial work and mm-hmm. TV and film stuff. So that's given me, there's another, there's income coming in that way. And I've directed and gotten income that way. Mm-hmm. And I've done some writing stuff that's been freelance mm-hmm. kind of stuff. I've done that. So between playwriting and acting and directing and writing, mm-hmm. other writing work, it's been okay. I also had some savings a lot of savings that i had gathered 
during the 15 years that I was working. Mm-hmm. So we've, we've had to dip into them a couple of times when things have gotten tight. Um, but the deal I sort of made myself was five years. Mm-hmm. And because I think, you know, you have to, it's like any other small business, yeah. really. It's nothing different than opening a restaurant. Yeah. It is, you have to build momentum and continue to work in the early days and years really, really hard to mm-hmm. sort of pushing a ball up a hill. And, yeah. then, and then if you're lucky, things start to roll on their own. Yeah. And, and I'm seeing that happen now. So um, hopefully I won't have mm-hmm. to go back to a nine to five. <laughs> how, long have you been, how long have you been doing it? Oh, full time? Like yeah. since I left? It's uh, three years. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Um, now you mentioned you live in Oakville. Mm-hmm. Do you find that a barrier at all? The distance from, from Toronto where a lot of the work is or do, has it not been that no, much of a problem? No, not really. I can commute in. It's a pain in the butt some days driving. I mean, the city is not fun to drive in. No. It's, everyone knows. Um, but no, not a barrier. Okay. That's yeah. Good. It's been that's commutable. Good. I've got a car, so. That helps. Then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And theater wise, the theaters are all kind of all over it anyway. So. It's true. Yeah. They're hard to commute to regardless of where you're living. And <laughs> the work I'm doing isn't, hasn't so far found an audience in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I've targeted Toronto really, but um, so most of the work theater-wise has been outside of the city anyway. So I think a lot of people forget that there's theaters outside, like outside. Tons. Of, you know, there's like there are people outside of Toronto that will that can hire you and give you work. Oh, tons, and they're doing really good work, and you know, so you go where the work is. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I've gone out to Port Stanley and Port Dover, yeah. Orangeville, and all these places, and um, yeah. So living in Oakville has been okay. Nice. Yeah. I mean, in Toronto, we we get a little bit you know navel gazy and, and stuff about about you know it's the center of the theater world, and we forget yeah. about all those places. That, well, there's a lot of great theater happening in Toronto for yeah. sure. Um, but there's also, I mean, I know I've done a couple of instances where I was traveling around Ontario, and you get to these like small towns, and you're like, "Where does this gorgeous theater come from?" Yeah. There's all these old vaudeville places that are still operating theaters and need to put stuff in there. Totally. I mean, places have theaters you wouldn't even know. I didn't, last week a theater, I learned of a theater in Meaford that I didn't know existed. Yeah. I was like, wow. Yeah. So there's tons of theaters out yeah. there. Yeah. It's all the, and all the places. places to yeah. work. Yeah. 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 Um, now I know that this is not, not going to get uh, uh, released in time to, to talk about the show that you're doing mm. um, in, in, in Oakville. Milton. In Milton. Yeah. All no, right. It's Milton. Yeah. Um, but what we should we should talk a little bit about that. Okay. Because you're directing that. Yeah, I'm directing it. And what the show is called? It's called Five Alarm. Five Alarm, yeah. Uh, which is the play, actually, that first got produced in Port Stanley and mm-hmm. Port Dover. And uh, it's it's a pretty farcy kind of comedy mm-hmm. about uh, small-town chili competition, chili mm-hmm. cooking competition. Okay. It really is about the relationships of these people sure. who are in the chili competition together and... Um, and who all have, you know, varying degrees of history with one another in the town. So, yeah. um, and I'm directing that. A friend of mine, two friends of mine, um, sort of did the same path I did in that they were both performers, very talented, could have gone either way, mm-hmm. chose the nine to five route, mm-hmm. and they're filling their soul now doing community theater mm-hmm. and taking a leadership role in community theater in the in the community they chose to settle down in. It's mm-hmm. a husband and wife friends of mine. So, um, and actually, both of them were in book club when yes. I when I produced it in Hamilton. So yeah. we've we've stayed really close friends, and I love working with them. So when the opportunity came up and they selected my show for mm-hmm. their season, I was like, I will direct that. That'd nice. be great fun. Yeah. 
Now, is it strange directing your own play? I've done it twice. Okay. And it's not strange. It's really fun. I mean, it may be strange for the actors. <laughs> not strange for me. <laughs> it's nice to get your own hands into it, sure. especially after seeing it done twice. Because I book club, I touched it first, mm. and then I saw others do it. Five Alarm, I saw others do it before I ever got a chance to like get my own hands into it. So what, what nice. is that like? Watching other people yeah. premiere stuff, like especially like like having seen somebody else's interpretation of it, yeah, of a play that you wrote first off, mm -hmm. which can be a difficult thing for a playwright, if, especially the first time. Yeah. Um, before you realize, like, if you don't, you know, you have voices in your head when you write it, right. right? And then you give it to somebody else, and you could be like, "Oh, that's not that's not how I that's not how I saw it," or you could be like, "That's a really interesting take on it." Which I think, I think you, is the better way to I do it. I think there's you experience both <laughs> about the same production. Because there's going to be moments that you go, oh, okay, that was mm. an intriguing choice. Mm -hmm. And then there are going to be moments that you go, oh, smart. Thank you. That was yeah. really smart. Yeah. I, I wish I'd thought of it. <laughs> I guess, you know. um, no, it's all been great. I've, I've taken away something really joyful mm. from every production that I've been lucky enough to see of mine that someone else has done. So Good. I have no, it doesn't cause me a lot of angst really. I think you just have to go, hey, this is great. Someone's producing my work. Well, there is that. I think that I, I think very early when I was writing, if I'd given something that I'd written to somebody else, I think I would have had a lot of anxiety mm -hmm. about it. And now I, I kind of have learned over the years that it's part of the collaboration, yeah. which is why I don't put a lot of stage directions in my work and why I, I want... I don't describe the characters a whole lot. I want right. somebody else to to fill that with with their interpretation, so that um, I don't, you know, I'm not trying to put me on that because it's a collaboration. Totally, and you can't control everything. Mm -hmm. You just can't. And if you do that, it's to the detriment of the piece, in my yeah. opinion, because like everybody who comes to who shows up to do their individual role on a show mm -hmm. knows more about that role than yeah. you do likely right mm -hmm. like designer shows up with a set and you i mean just talk about humbling experiences when you i've walked past rooms where you know seven or eight people are being paid to sit there and talk about what kind of paint or you know like yeah you just have to get over yourself yeah. and say this is it is a collaborative medium if i wasn't comfortable with that mm -hmm. well I'll, i should be writing novels yeah and not place because directors want and should want to make interpretations of the work and actors same thing yeah. so any part of that you feel and i think everyone feels it we'd be lying if we said no i've never sat there and gone ah, mm -hmm. <laughs> why'd you do that i mean truly you do there's some things that you see and you go huh like yeah. all right but on the whole in big picture you it's yeah. you mm -hmm. have to let go of it in order for it to live. Mm -hmm. You know, I always when I think about that kind of thing, I always look at like Tennessee Williams scripts, which are like plays that have a novel in them, right? Or a novel that has a play in them, because mm -hmm. you know you get like so much description. I always wonder is that is is what's the intention of that? Are we supposed to perform or or? George Bernard Shaw as well is really like you've got all these yeah. like, huge descriptions, and you're just like, am I is this Written in stone, is this what we have to do, or is there room for interpretation here? Do we have to do 
this elaborate set that he's written here. Like, why is that even there? It is, an, it is interesting. Mm-hmm. And I think if you look at stuff from a period and then more contemporary, you see that trend get, goes away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that less and less stage directions show up in things and character descriptions don't yeah. get quite as crunchy anymore. That's why I've always kind of in, uh, appreciated Shakespeare. Because there's like almost nothing, nothing in there. <clears throat> Except for and they that, fight or, right. you know. And because of that, partly because of that, you see so many people taking Shakespeare and doing cool stuff with mm-hmm. it, you know, yeah. h- hundreds of years after the fact. So mm. that, I guess, that freedom and ability to take a work and run with it in a different direction is yeah. part of the charm of theater. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't... I. I it's strange because, I, and actually, the last thing I directed before this, before Five Alarm, we had a, a music director who was less experienced and was really, was really confused by stage directions in the source mm. material and thought they were like rule of law. Like oh. anytime we changed something, was really uncomfortable and pointing back to the script. He said, "But this is when this happens in the script," mm. and you kind of go, "Well, I mean." My understanding is those stage directions exist because in the first production. Yeah, that's what they did. A lot of times, that is that's that's yeah. that's what happens, which is why some of them are very specific, or they describe set changes and and things like that. It would be but, bananas you know. to stick to those. I yeah, mean, what's absolutely. the point of that? It's like absolutely. making the same film over. And well, because I do think that they're there for the published version, not for the the performer. I think they're there to sure. allow the reader to yeah. imagine how it was initially performed. Sure, and 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 if that's how you're partaking of the play, then it makes total sense yeah. and it is helpful. But if you're and I actually do include visually enough that I think if someone reads a play without mm. seeing it, they'll still be able to understand what's happening yes. in the story. Yeah. Um, I, I, think write, you, I think you do have to do that. It's just a matter to. of like yeah. you can't describe everything. You don't need to describe everything. No. It's not. Uh, who is that serving? It's not. It serves, it serves the author's ego, really. Yeah. To be like, I'm going to write my vision and you had better stick to it. If that even but is your intention. But it's strange, right? It's strange, yeah. especially when it I mean, particularly about character descriptions. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you trying to achieve by describing eye color, hair color, all these things? It's I not no important idea. to the story. I mean, yeah. unless it is. But you have to make a case for that, I think. You really do. I mean, if I mean, if it's a if it's a significant plot point, then maybe. But it, I don't see any other any reason why it, to have it. it generally, when it exists, it isn't. It doesn't seem like it is. Yeah. I mean, you, you really go, okay. Well, what what is this about? What yeah. are you trying to achieve with this level of specificity over who's allowed to play this part. Yeah. Um, just to, to go back to Five Alarm, mm-hmm. what, was there a particular inspiration that that that, that uh, inspired you to write a, a play about a, a, a chili contest? No, I, the, it's the only one where there really wasn't. Okay. Like, <laughs> where, did it, where did it come from? I then? was trying to write another play. Okay. And it was winter time, and I was, I guess, reminiscing about growing up in a small town, but also we used to vacation in a... <clears throat> at a campground every summer, mm-hmm. every weekend of every summer, and was like kind of reminiscing about all the community events that they used to do there and thinking about that in context of my own life and how mm-hmm. my kids don't really, not the same level of like that anymore mm-hmm. for my kids to be part of that. Um, and I started to think about all these things we used to do there. There was an annual corn roast and stuff like that. And that's where the I, the germ of the idea started. And it just, and then once the idea was there, it started writing itself in my head as I'm mm. trying to write this other piece. And I was really frustrated. And I, I told myself, I'm just going to write this mm. stupid chili play <laughs> so I can get it out of my system 
and focus on this other thing that I want to write. Mm. And I, it, I wrote it. The, it's the fastest one. I wrote it in like six weeks or something, five weeks or six weeks. It was really fast. Mm. And I wrote it ju- literally just to exercise it. And, uh, and then weirdly, it was the one that got picked first to be produced professionally. Did you get the other play written? No. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I abandoned it. Oh, that's, just, that, that's kind of sad. But apparently okay. it was like the one that you weren't meant to write. And maybe I'll write it later. I don't know. It still exists. I have a lot of abandoned projects. I Well, I mean, I think a lot of us do. But I often find it hard to go back to those. It's true. Because I'm not the person I was when I started it. And so do I scrap the whole thing or do I yeah. try to paste who I am on top of it? It's really hard. Yeah. Right. And it... You've lost the momentum for it, mm-hmm. and it's and then there's usually a newer, shinier idea that's begging for your attention that you end up working on, and that's why people abandon stuff. And that doesn't mean I have a writing. I have a folder called writing scraps on mm. my computer, and I go back and look at it whenever I'm between projects, and I, I go well, maybe I pick this one back. But then you're right. As soon as you do, you're like, no, this doesn't. Feel it really right has anymore. to feel right. I mean, yeah. there's stuff that I've abandoned, and there's a lot of stuff that I abandoned because I lear- I've i learned that one of the things my brain does, you know how your brain sabotages you sometimes when you're writing? Never. <clears throat> yeah, no. <laughs> no, of course not. Um, and one of the things it does is it presents me with all kinds of shiny new ideas that manifest when this one gets hard. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I used to just chase the shiny idea. I which still means, do. Which means that I never f- finished It's things. terrible. You know, it's a um, terrible habit. And I'll tell you what will break it. We'll be getting a commission in which you have to deliver that piece mm. because even after the shine wears off, somebody's waiting for it. Yeah. So once I got a, my first commission, which was hurry hard, that play I struggled with mm. and I wanted to let it go so many times. Like I really did. I was like, I would, ki- I would kill you if somebody wasn't paying me to write you. I hate you. But I kept with it because I had to, yeah. I rewrote the whole play. Mm. I had, did I have the whole play? I had at least act one and most of act two mm. when I hit this bump and started to question the d- decision I had made at the very beginning. And then I started the whole thing over again. Hmm. Yep. I My way of, of, of combating it is my rule is I finish what I'm writing. It's a good rule, though. But the way that I do it is I have a folder called Ideas. Where all the shiny ideas go. The, so a new idea comes. I write down, what is that idea? I write it down, even if it's just a snippet. Yeah. Guy, crown, brown eyes, whatever. Right. Whatever it happens to be. And I, I I, put stuff in that folder and then that goes away. And I continue writing the thing because the idea is still there. And does that get it out of your head enough? to? It does. That's good. It does. Um, because my rule is I finish what I'm working on. It is now. a good rule. Now. It's a discipline because if you don't do that, you'll always because there will always come a point in everything you're writing mm-hmm. that you think all is lost and mm-hmm. this cannot be this play cannot be fixed. Yeah. No matter yeah. what, right? And yeah. it, and and then you have this like siren call of all these new ideas that you think are better ideas, they're easier to write. You think all of those things because you're in the like muck of this oh, yeah. first thing. Well, I mean, that's the thing is like all these new ideas, they seem so new and fresh like this one was at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then I will chase, I would chase that. It's really a fear of commitment, isn't oh, it? It's a lot of things. <laughs> but you know, you, so you, you get into this play and now you're writing this one and then it gets hard and yeah. now there's other new ideas. And so you just keep chasing the new thing and, and, and nothing ever got done. Well, and you, you, you never find, you never, finish anything meaningful if you keep chasing the new thing because you kind of do have to 
sit in the muck. Now, I've put stuff aside and not written anything else. I've put stuff aside and said I need to sit with this for a while. Mm-hmm. But you do have to sit in the muck of it for a bit. You're right. And it. I, so now, after Hurry Hard, I no longer allow myself to jump ship on something. Mm-hmm. Um which means there will be weeks and weeks and weeks, stretches of weeks where I don't write, mm-hmm. which is really uncomfortable. Yeah, it is. And I just have to keep the faith. And every single time it happens, I tell myself, that's it. You're done. You're out of ideas. Mm. Your, your run is over. <laughs> you're going to be back in the office this time next year. <laughs> um, until I, until, you know, the muse or whatever returns and you get back to it. You go, okay, I can do this. Are there particular things that you do when that happens? Yeah, or? I paint my house. Okay. And I do uh, jigsaw puzzles. Okay. <laughs> and I, yeah, I do You're putty. operating other parts of your brain. I do, put, yeah. like, puttering around the house, mm-hmm. little pro. I live in a century home. There's mm-hmm. never-ending projects. So <laughs> I paint, trim, and I sand, mm-hmm. and I, yeah, I'll spend hours. It helps. It really does, because it's... It, it actually seems to fire up the same part of your brain that's responsible for creativity without being taxing creatively. Mm-hmm. So you're not using the pool, but it's in that zone. So like, because you're, you're seeing and you're touching. It's mm-hmm. tactile. It's, col- you know, I'm, I'm fixing and I'm seeing my progress. And I'm, it's actually really um, rewarding yeah. work for me. So when I get stuck, that's what I do. I paint and I... Hmm. I paint, but it, not like pictures. I paint like rooms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do, do uh, is it like, okay, sorry, this room is mine now. I need to paint it. Kind of. <laughs> well, there's so many projects. It's not like no one, people aren't, it's not like I've, I'm not finished painting this house. Mm-hmm. Like I've mm-hmm. lived there five years. I'm still painting <laughs> things that weren't painted. So I'm still working my th- way through that list, but it seems to be something about that kind of monotonous, repetitive. Mm. Jigsaw puzzles are the other thing I do. A ton of jigsaw puzzles mm. when I'm stuck. Just it's calming, and you, in those moments, those ideas start to just bubble to the surface. When yeah. you, if you, if you sit down and th- and try to think through it, for me, if you, if I sit down and try to think through it and make that a goal, like I'm going to solve that problem today, it's it doesn't. Usually no, happen. you end up just sort of like bashing your head into yeah, a wall spinning for a while. Wheels. Yeah. But if I find if I'm out on a walk or driving my driving to somewhere and I have a moment of kind of calm where I'm not agitated about the writing, mm-hmm. then that stuff starts to come up, and I that's when I find I get unstuck. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, I was thinking something similar because I if I give myself the permission to stop struggling with it, and I don't know, I'll go for a walk or a long walk or something like that, whether I'm you know, listen to music or whatever, and I'm, I'm going for a walk. The movement of body, the 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 fact that I've I've allowed myself to not uh, uh, stress over it. Yeah. Suddenly, at some point on that walk, it will be the clouds will open exactly, and there it is. Yeah. And that never would have happened if I kept sitting at your computer. Yeah. Staring at the, totally. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. a, I operate the same way. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um. No. When you when so you were directing a little bit when you were at York. Yeah, I started directing as a student. Uh, again, actually, the first time was that one act play festival. Mm-hmm. I, I took someone else's play and directed it, mm-hmm. um, and that was really neat. And then the second year of that same festival, they included a. Um, so the first year was just about the play. So there was a there was like it was a contest. It was mm-hmm. the first, second, and third. And the second year they also did the same thing with the directors. So mm-hmm. I got to direct two years in a row. And the second year I I won for directing. So that was like really neat. And I nice. I liked directing a lot. So I've since graduating I've directed a handful of of things as well. Um, was there ever 
Because I, I remember when I was in theater school, I was like, there's no way that I will ever direct. Really? Yeah. I, I had that all through theater school. That That's like people, the idea of w- what I really want to do as director, that whole that whole thing that people will sometimes say, that never occurred to me huh. um, when I was in theater school. And now? It's something that I would do. Yeah. Um, not something I'm in and maybe not something, I've done something that I've written, but it's not something that I necessarily uh, pursue. I've done it sort of out of necessity. Sure, okay. Um, so it's not it's not off the table the way it was That's when I was a lot younger. That's me with producing, I think. Yeah. That's how I feel about producing. I'll do it if I have to, but I know there's no joy in it for me at all. Well, I think that's the reason why any of us do it. Like the idea of anytime I've had somebody else who can do it, that's the nicest. Yeah. When somebody else is producing, oh, so much weight off. And then, but like if you're self-producing, then you've got no other option. You're it. Yeah. Yep. When you did your show in, in Hamilton, was that Hamilton Fringe or was that like you guys just put it up in Hamilton? No, it was like a month after the Fringe closed and we just put it up. Yeah, wow. we just, we, we picked Hamilton because Hamilton has an art scene um, mm-hmm. and there were venues to be had that were affordable to yeah. us at the time. We rented, a, I don't know if you know the spaces in Hamilton. There's a little a bit. Theater, uh, Hamilton Theater Inc. has mm-hmm. their own building yeah. and they run a season of shows, but in the summer dark so they host fringe and they had space and availability in august we rented that and then we lined up and show i say we really me (laughs) well i mean i I mean sometimes it's easier to say that we (laughs) we because we're a company whatever um no because i i saw when i was at the the hamilton fringe a couple years ago there were a few shows that that i saw at at, uh at hamilton theater oh did you Yeah, Yeah. yeah it's a uh really interesting space um have you have you ever seen the backstage no i haven't they've seen renovated the it's okay. far less deadly now but it was like it really was it was like uh there was a ladder to get downstairs I, it was crazy oh my god but it was a great experience mm, it was nice, so nice. fun yeah and so much work well i mean that's the thing is it's not it's not for self-producing is not for everyone no i mean it takes over everything you you there's just it's project management yeah and, and uh, a million pieces while you're also because I was also directing it mm-hmm. while you're also worrying about the creative artistic side of yeah. it you're handling like oh, oh. insurance and yeah truck rentals to get set stuff into the space and all that stuff so. one of the things that I have learned of doing like different fringe because I really only only started this past summer when I was doing uh, stuff on the east coast was I knew when you're in the thick of it, you don't have time to think about all the certain production things like um, promotion, advertising, that sort of thing. So I spent, before we even got into production, I spent some time uh, uh, creating assets so that mm, I know I will need these later. Yeah, smart. And then then they I had them so that when something came up, I didn't have to be like, oh, right. shit, now I have to create a thing. Yeah. It was already there. Um, so smart. front loading and, and like draft press releases and things like that for it's whatever. so hard the yeah. marketing side of it is a whole i mean that's a full-time job in itself is trying to get people to know about it and come mm-hmm. out and check it out especially yeah. if you're outside of a fringe if you're in fringe you do have somewhat of a built-in you at least have people who are who are looking to watch something exactly. which is which is an advantage to the whole fringe cycle is yeah. that i know if i can do it during this period there is there, I have a potential audience. Exactly. Yeah. Outside of that, it's... we worked really hard to get, and we did. Uh, we didn't sell out by any stretch, but we did enough to pay the actors and break mm-hmm. even. So, and it's that's all you can ask. It's for really all I set out to yeah. do. I, it was, I, and I was okay actually losing money mm. just because I wanted to see it. Yeah. Like, born. Um, 
but we we made we made enough money to pay everybody, which was great. Mm-hmm. Um, and and they're still asking, will we do it again? And oh god, <laughs> I'm still tired. <laughs> <laughs> like that that particular play again? Just a just anything like just that. Anything? Is that Hamilton Theater Inc. who's acting you? Or asking no, you, or the people, people like in the, the actors who oh, were yeah. in the club. Oh, uh, I mean, we do. We all we went to see it as a group. This it was in Port Stanley. Mm-hmm. Fran, Franny yeah. was in it, and uh, we went to see it as a group this summer. We took a road trip and stayed over in Port Stanley. It was so much fun. We were so obnoxious. I felt bad actually in the in the audience. I had a whole row. Were of you a bad audience? We were a great audience <laughs> to, to the actors. The, the rest of the audience. Yeah, was the rest of the audience was like, what's what's these people? I mean, you know, because the people who are sitting there reacting to every choice. Oh yes, yeah. In a way yeah. that would be perplexing if the actors on stage didn't know we were there, they mm-hmm. would have been completely confused by the the re- reaction to stuff. Just mm-hmm. everything. They were like, oh. I mean everything, like mm-hmm. that prop. You know, it was like <laughs> <laughs> they should have done a presentation just for you guys. They were really, yeah. I, think they, <laughs> I can't remember where in the run it was, but I think they were pretty. They were like, "You guys were a pretty great audience." Like we were just so responsive. <laughs> yeah, I guess after a while, like I don't even. Uh, after a while in a run, you just like the, when the excitement of opening yeah. and all that stuff peters out and then people are just like, I hear the show's good. I guess I should go. You know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it was great. And they, so they always want to do something again mm-hmm. and uh, look to me and go, well, let's, cause it, you know, I, I put together, I created this theater company to, to, to do this production under, which and all of it still exists. All yeah. these assets still exist. Sure, so we yeah. can, and that's, I created it that way. Like my idea was, this isn't, I'm not planning on becoming a theater company that has a regular season every year. There's, I don't have the capacity no, to do that, no. but I'd like the idea of one that we can kind of switch on and switch off when we need to Yeah, throw up a tent, do a production and take it down to the next time we want to do one. It's good to have that. I, I, I always feel like, you know, for, for when you do those fringe festival applications, it's good to have like, a name that you can throw on yeah. there that's like that's oh, not what just are, my name what yeah. do we call it this time yeah. Let's, you know exactly so yeah. that's what we did and that still exists and it's still there and I've and they know too that if any of them want to use it mm-hmm. and produce something that it's there for them nice yeah but no I'm t- I, I just are you don't done? are you done producing or you're like I would never <sighs> not never but I don't know where it would fit right yeah. now like it, it it just takes up it just took up everything I mm-hmm. had um well, it kind of should, especially yeah. if you're if you're like producing, directing, like doing all of that stuff. It should take up. It everything. really, it really was all consuming, and yeah. I, um, and I just have, I, I couldn't take time away from everything else going on to do that right now. Not at this mm. stage in life. So, I don't see it happening in the next five years. But never say never. You don't know. I yeah. say yeah. I, I always say say yes to things. If you get an opportunity and you can swing it, do mm-hmm. it because it'll open doors. And and bring you new connections. So from that standpoint, I'm open to it, but mm-hmm. I don't I don't think practically it will be likely for me mm-hmm. anytime soon. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I've got stuff on the go, and I've got plays opening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've been, uh, two new plays premiering this year. So well, congratulations. Thank That's you. Good. Yeah, no, it's wonderful. Um, but that certainly would be challenging to to try to produce something at the same time as yeah. that was happening because i'm in the room uh hurry hard i'll be in in the rehearsal process because we you know we're workshopping the ship the script still mm. and where you are is the other one and that premieres in theater orangeville in may wow. and uh so i'm in rehearsals for that so it's busy. there's a lot, mm-hmm. it's a lot. Yeah. yeah yeah sounds good yeah it's all great well thank you so much for doing this, this has been thank great. you for having me
This has been a Homebody Productions production.